This episode of the PC Perspective Podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. For a free 30-day trial, go to audible.com slash PCPer. And by Braintree Payments. Mobile app development can be complex, but integrating your payments no longer has to be. With Braintree, your business can accept nearly every type of payment from any device with just one integration. Learn more at braintreepayments.com slash PCPer. Hey everybody, welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 387 being recorded on February, still got to look, 17th, 2016. I'm Ryan Shrout. I'm Jeremy Elstrom. I'm professional Josh Walrath. And I'm unprofessional Alan Valentine. Even when we record the intro twice, I still have to check the date. Yes. So today is still the 17th. For some reason, I kept going like 13th or 20th. Like Those are the only two options it could you be, but toggle. those are Saturdays, yeah. unrelated to the Wednesdays. Something to do with I'm going. I'm leaving on the twentieth, so the twentieth is sticking in my mind. Yeah, I'm reverse jet lagged. I'm, I'm preparing to go uh, out of town. Uh, welcome to the show, everybody. Um, speaking of going out of town, so I'm leaving on Saturday. I won't be here for next week's show. You guys are gonna have to do it without me. Okay. okay. Um, You're gonna no, be no, too busy being either. pickpocketed in Barcelona. That's right. Because <laughs> I don't think it's realistically possible for me to do the show since I will be five hours ahead of this time. Sure, it's realistic. So I'm not going to be up at 3 a.m. I mean, take one for the team. Before to do to do you the might show. be depending on well, if you're still I, if something happens if you're still screwed be, up on the time zones. Yeah. yeah, if I'm screwed up by that point, I will stay screwed up because I'm coming yeah. on Thursday. Or you'll be laid out in an alley, like murdered, like or unconscious or something. Oh you know, no, it's Barcelona. Well, I don't know. I've never been there. Um, Is he's going to be getting a private dance with one of those girls that plays the the, the clapper things? Oh, with like little symbols on her hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not, not Morocco. The spoons. Not Morocco. You, you, mean, <laughs> <that's> the, <laughs> you mean the spoons, right? Yeah. Uh, the clappers. If you know what the I'm clappers. saying, you'll be spooning with the clap. Don't get the clap. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, I thought this was funny. I'd point this out. Uh, I got one of those calls yesterday from. Um, Microsoft support about my computer sending out uh, a negative data or bad information. <laughs> negative on the energy, internet, right? Yeah, bad energy waves. Right. You and they, to replace the crystals in and your case. They were going to help me fix it. Like they were Microsoft tech support, and they were going to help me fix it. And I had to go to this website. It was uh, nobody go to this, obviously, but he. The, the, like I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah, no. He's oh, like, you're you playing. Oh along. yeah, I was like, he's like, are you in front of your computer? I'm like, yeah. And uh, he's like, I loved, I loved the, the direction they had to take because they're so used to getting a hold of idiots or just people who don't know anything about their computer. That's who they're trying to get, right? Yeah. And he's like, uh, on your keyboard, you should see the far bottom left corner says control. Cause, cause and I'm like, those, yeah. And he's any- like, what is the button immediately next to that? I'm <laughs> like, it's the Windows button. He's like, okay. Good. Now he knows if you're on a Windows or a Mac. And now he knows which direction he can go, if anything. Okay. He's like, I want you to hold down that button with one finger and then hit R with another finger. Oh, he wants you to run something. And yeah, and he he goes, what shows up? It's like, it's a run dialogue. And you can hear he kind of pauses. He's like, oh. (laughs) Because anybody smart enough to just be catching this would have been gone long ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he had me type in, he said he wanted me to type in this thing, right? Uh And it was a web address. But he didn't. It was fastheal.net, right? That's what it. What's that's what it turns out to be. I'm, I'm not. But going every let don't ever go to that website. I didn't go to it either. I looked up screenshots of it on Google as he was telling me what it was. <laughs> oh, okay. But he was like, "I want you to type F as in Frank, 
A as in Aardvark. Like Aardvark. it was everything. I don't wow. know what Wait, it was. Wh- but which don't go fanatic. Just as go in Mansi. Yeah. Just like everything was laid out, and then with the zoo letters, you go to the web page. I didn't go to. It. I looked at screenshots with it, but it's like this. St- Stupid looking, like 1987 looking website, and it's like on the right hand corner, it's it's uh it's like there's three buttons, and it's connect to technician one, connect to technician two, connect to technician three. <laughs> you get the net. And it's like <laughs> you get to I want choose. you to go ahead. Uh, is it taken down now? No. That's fastheal.net. Oh, that's, that's not, awesome. That's not. I don't think that's what it was. Is there just a say connect to technician anywhere on that? Because he was like, I want you to click on Connect to Technician yeah. 3. That's me. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I want to talk to Technician and, 1. And, and, the, the, the hyperlink is fastseal.net slash soft3.exe. Yeah. So wow. like, I, he was like, so when you click that, what happens? And I said, I don't think I'm going to click that. And he was like, why? It's like, because I'm pretty sure you're just scamming me, right? Because <laughs> I tried three times. I was like, what company are you with? Right, he's like, oh, you know, Microsoft. So something. I was like, yeah, I know, but you're a contractor, right? Like, where are you at? Like, what are you from? And he couldn't get anything. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm pretty sure you're you're just scamming me, I'm right? I'm from and Josh he was Tech. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> Click. It's like, oh, well. It's really frustrating to me that that exists. Uh, yeah. And that like yeah. somehow not wherever government they're at is not. You really, you really freak them. You really freak them out if you like make up like a three-letter agency and you like say, "All right, so stay on the phone longer. We're gonna." Hey, can you trace this call? <laughs> Start the trace. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah so yeah. you were saying uh, the email is r y a m at n s a dot g o v. I never actually got one of those. I'd heard about them, but I because I was already annoyed because. My daughter was asleep, and they rang the home phone line, which nobody ever calls unless they're selling me something, which yep. I just need to disconnect it and be done. I don't know. Um, so welcome to the show, everybody. We do record live on Wednesday nights, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern at pcpro.com slash live. Uh, if you need a reminder, we have a mailing list you can sign up for at pcpro.com slash subscribe. If you go to that URL, uh, you can get this little page here. Which will show, ask for your name and your email address, and it will simply, we send out an email a couple of hours, an hour before we do a live stream. Uh, and if we, you choose Technician 3, it's Josh. Right. Yes. Yeah, we send an email to fastheal.net. Please choose Technician <laughs> Josh. Uh, and he will actually, call you. Wait, wait, that's what turned Josh Tech into. Yeah. It's like a duplicate <laughs> yeah. of one of those websites. Yeah, it's just ripped totally. the source out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And only REXE file will just be like a dancing Josh. Right, mm, dancing, dancing, wow. Josh, dancing, dance for me, <laughs> dance. So I'm gonna outlive y'all. Oh, oh man! <laughs> oh, in stereo. So nope, uh, still mono. That's that. We are gonna have. So we've got the podcast tonight. I do Twitch tomorrow. Yep. And then Friday, there's it's on the schedule. So I guess I'll mention it. We have uh, Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, scheduled. Ryan 3D Prince Part 1. Oh. Ryan 3D Prince Part 1. We're going to stream, stream that live? We're going to stream it live, time? and then obviously... What could possibly go wrong? All kinds <laughs> of things. So uh, the, I've the, been looking forward to this for a long time. This was time. an idea that Ken had when we found out Monoprice was going to do yeah. 3D printers. Ken's and we idea. Have, let's, make have, fun of jo- let's make fun of Ryan on the stream somehow. Yeah. No, it's, it's genuine. It's, yeah. So you know, basically what happens is, is we went to Monoprice and said, hey, we want to do this thing where you send us... 
three D printers. Yeah. Starting out with the most basic one, moving up to the medium, moving up to the higher end. Okay. Right. And you give us uh, filament or whatever, and I know absolutely zero about three D mm-hmm. printing. I mm-hmm. don't know anything about it. I didn't know what PLA, ABS, and PET yeah. were. Yeah. You yep. know what the differences were. None of that. I didn't know about multi injection or multi uh, extruder. Multi extruder. Mm-hmm. I didn't know about the heated plates. I don't know anything about that. Right. And I still barely know anything. And the idea is, is I'm going to buy this, or they're going to send me this $199 3D printer, like any normal consumer would, that knows nothing about this. Sure. And I'm going to put the box on the table, and I'm going to open it up, and I'm going to try to set it up, and I'm going to try to print something. And then we're going to do multiple parts where it's like, okay, now that I know that I can print this cube, what else can I make? What else can we do? Let's try different types of filament. Let's try the glow in the dark. Let's try the cleaning stuff. Um, you know, they're going to send us some, you know, how do I download plans? They'll print out little stupid little gadgets and neat things and trinkets yeah. and things. Uh, and then we'll move on to the, the higher end stuff. You know, they want to send us um, uh, one of their drones that we can then break and then 3D print replacement parts for. Really? Yeah. They give you the plans? Fun. Yeah, yeah they, they, they have all the 3D schematics for all the oh. replacement parts for their drones. We just saw the other day that Thermaltake has a website with yeah. p- with parts they designed for the P5 case, we, well, right. mounted case we have over here. So we can yeah, so they can 3D that. print out you know, optical drive bays for it because it didn't come with optical drive bays, right? I think that was can, one of them. Yeah, we can 3D print a Fury X plate. Right, yeah. Nut covers. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> nut, mm. nut, nut covers? You can print nut our own nook. 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 Uh, so yeah, that's that's the idea. So we'll do one of these uh, on Friday, and then I'll be gone for the week. So we'll have to wait until the week after, probably, probably to do another one uh, and figure out what we're going to do. And I think that'll be a fun thing to interact with, take suggestions from the audience on what, what to print, print, and you know, the printing process will take a long time when it's live. Obviously, for the YouTube versions, we will compress that. But um, no, just leave it going. Oh, no, we're yeah, going to. I'm just going to leave the, the stream on. So if people just want to watch it print, like, I well, think some people will we'll be, be interested We'll be back that. tomorrow, like I, just overnight. I think some people will be interested going. in that. Like, Let's I want to watch the stream won't stay up that long. Watch. <laughs> well, I get this other setup going first. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's another stream we have coming up this week. So sign up for the mailing list. Also, we have our Patreon at patreon.com slash PCPer if you're interested in these types of things and the, the capabilities we have to do other stuff like the 3D, Ryan 3D prints, Extravaganza Part 1. Um, we are still not at our $2,000 uh, a month goal. We definitely want to hit that before the end of this month. And I really, really, really want to get to that next milestone that was going to allow us to do our mailbag stuff. I want to do the mailbag. It's something that I know a lot of people have asked for. Um, so we, we want to hit that that next milestone after after the 2,000 months. So if you if you like the content, if you, if you appreciate it, if you think we're worth it, even if you don't think all of us are worth it, you know what I'm saying? I'm not bringing anybody up in particular. Um, go to patreon.com slash pcper. Offer up what you can. We greatly, greatly uh, appreciate any support from our uh, fans, viewers, and readers, which I think should cover all avenues and listeners as well, all avenues of our media distribution models. Uh, Your empire. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> and the last couple of things before we get into the actual stories of the week. Uh, don't forget, on March 5th, Saturday, March 5th, we have our Fragging Frogs virtual land party number 12. Um, that's at 10, it starts at 10 a.m. on March 5th. You can go to PCPer.com, uh, look for that post. Uh, Jeremy, if you think about it, let's make that post uh, like back up to the top, reset the timing yep. on it. I um, meant to do that today, but I forgot. No problem. And then on March 6th, 
we'll have another stupid, crazy live stream where we're going to stream for 12 hours, hopefully consecutively. Uh, so, someone just told me that YouTube only lets you stream for eight hours. YouTube only lets you stream for eight hours? We'll have to look into that. We'll have to see <laughs> It may be a Twitch-only stream then. I don't know what to say. Uh, but uh, March 6th, so on Sunday, we'll do a 12-hour stream from noon to midnight where we do, we'll probably do some 3D printing, set one up and have it you know, keep going and check in with it every once in a while. Yeah. Alan's going to teach us how to solder. We'll do some gaming. We'll do some Q&A. We'll have some guests on. Just kind of um, a potpourri of content. If you will. It's not going to smell good in here after 12 hours. It'll smell like oh, pizza God, no. and B.O. Wait, Sebastian's coming. So he, he smells pretty good. He's going to just he, counter He's it. a vegetarian, so like he just... So he's going to smell like hummus? Yeah. He eats a lot of beans. <laughs> I don't get it. So don't order meat on your pizza? <laughs> oh, no. Extra sausage can on pick all it pizza. Off. Yeah, exactly. Make them all sausage. <laughs> right. Oh, you want to eat? That's uh, Sebastian's just in the corner picking sausage off of pizza. All right, let's get to the stuff. Uh, Asus PB328Q review. Uh, this is an interesting monitor. Uh, it's different than a lot of displays we've looked at recently in that it does not have a gaming focus to it. It's a 32-inch. Oh, yeah, that one. The th- okay. It's a 32-inch 2560 by 1440, which is already kind of unique. Right, there are several other on the market, but to me, this was a unique combination of resolution and size. Yep. We're used to 27-inch monitors at this resolution. This is significantly larger than that. Um, it's a VA panel, right? So it is not, not MVA, right? I don't know. I know it's not a H VA VA, which uh-huh. is the IPS-like technology that is not VA in any capacity. Right, right, right. Um, I don't know if it's MVA. All they listed as is, is as a VA display. Well, so and PVA and MVA were very very similar. So okay, probably just an offshoot. All right. So it's it's so VA technology kind of sits between TN and IPS in terms of um, characteristics of image quality uh, and, and and response time and all that type of stuff. Um, VA generally produces good blacks, pretty good color reproduction. Mm-hmm. Decent viewing angles, but not as good as IPS. Right. Uh, but at the expense of pixel response time in most cases. And that's generally what we came up with with this display. So you can see, like, the the ID, the design of this is is very similar to anything we've seen from Asus recently. Um, it does not – it's not an ROG Swift. It's, it's, like I said, it's from a different line. It's not their gaming series of displays. Uh, it has the same – It's got. you can see this shot. It's got a very thin uh, bezel to it. Pretty nice – uh, it, because it's a VA screen, you can turn it, put it in portrait mode, no issues there. The back is fairly plain. You've got your USB hub. You've got uh, full Visa mount if you want to do that. The controls and OSD and all that stuff are as good as we've seen on Asus displays recently. It has a DVI connection, DisplayPort, HDMI. Uh, that's HDMI 1.4. Uh, and then VGA because, you know, yeah, do what you got to sure. do. Um, and there's your USB input and your audio pass-through. Uh, everything else seems pretty good on this. Uh, overdrive, not great. Wasn't awful, but it's not great. It's not like up to the caliber of many, many, many other gaming monitors that we have seen recently. Uh, so if you go to the review and you go down to this page here where we look at the overdriving testing screenshots, you'll see Asus calls overdrive trace-free. Uh, and at, at, even at its maximum setting, we still had a, a fairly um, visible trailing Blade. Yeah. I, can't, I can't, for some reason I keep wanting to say ghost? fin. Ghost. Yeah. Well, uh, a visible blade of the windmill behind it. A yep. ghosted image of it. Yeah. It didn't. Uh, it didn't fade. But it's completely not in the inverse like in some of the other. 
Well, right. inverse is when you're to... inverse is when you're overdriving too far. Yeah, like when your setting is too, you know, which is what we've seen in previous Asus monitors when you set yeah, it to hundred. Yeah. yeah, when you set tracer yeah, to hundred, it it's because it's overdriving too much. Yep. And we on this monitor were never able to overdrive too much, and in fact, we were never really over overdrive. Enough. Good enough, yeah. I think, to, to really make it what it was. Uh, Calibration-wise, color reproduction, it's awesome. After calibration, it looks st- amazing, right? I was going to say stupendous, but I think that's a dumb word. Um, uh, looks well, looks great. We have the profile for you to download if you want to apply. Viewing angles are okay. You know, The straight-on viewing angle is fantastic. Uh, the other ones are pretty good. Um, you still see some of the uh, off-angle... Without what would you call this? It's where you can see the red, but you don't get any of the color shift in the viewing angle test. Uh, I mean, it shifts slightly. It's more like the contrast was shifting more instead of the color. Than the color, okay, yeah. So it was which, good. Which gives you red letters in that particular test okay. when the contrast okay. changes. It's good, but it wasn't fantastic. It wasn't IPS good. No, 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 not in that. Regard. But it was way better than TN. But one of the, I mean, so all that kind of aside, this is a $539 monitor, right? So it's a 32-inch screen, so it's a sizable screen. It's 2560 by 1440, um, 539, no variable refresh. Oh, this does have a 75 hertz refresh, I should point out, right? So yep. it's better than 60, uh, you know, noticeably better than 60 in Windows, right, when you're moving things around. Um, but it's it's... It's a, it's a decent monitor. It's actually, I think, a good monitor for um, productivity, productivity, so. content creation, yeah. those types of things. For gaming, it's kind of like it's, it would be fine. Like if your primary function for this display is to do Photoshop and Premiere and your secondary function is you want to play some games, yeah. fine. If your primary function is games, there's way too many good gaming monitors out there to recommend this one over that. Uh, unless, unless you're one of those people that's just like, hey, I love the idea of a 32 inch, 25 by 14. Display. It is noticeably bigger. Yeah, like 27 to 32. It's actually like you know, you kind of in your mind you might just jump to like, well, they're both kind of 30. Oh, it's right. like five inches bigger. Yeah, 27 <laughs> like to 32 is a sizable <laughs> jump. Yeah, right. Even though yes, you could round down or up or whatever you want to do. Yeah. Um, it's it's still pretty uh, a, a big difference. Uh, I would I would agree on that point. So, um, check it out. Check out the review for more thoughts on it. Uh, there's competitors from Samsung and Acer that are probably using the same VA panel. Yep. Um, but it's a, it's a good good point of comparison to have for uh, this monitor review and others others really going forward. Up next, let's talk. Uh, Alan, you posted a review of the Samsung 750 Evo, a yes. product that I had no idea was coming out. Uh, a product that um, there was a leak like a few months back because yeah. they were shipping them in Asia and overseas and stuff. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So what's the 750 Evo? Uh, okay. So remember the 840 Evo? I do. Oh, no. Uh, w- <laughs> well, okay. Without that slowdown over time issue because they fixed that. Okay. Okay. And also with slightly revised 2D flash. So the, the flat stuff, right? Not their VNAND. The flat stuff. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so the idea is Samsung wants to move their VNAND from 32-layer to 48-layer, mm-hmm. and they want to make higher-capacity dyes, mm-hmm. right? So that's coming, and you, as you can imagine, they don't want to have to keep making 32-layer stuff. And if you're trying to make small-capacity SSDs, you need more dyes, right? like 
You need smaller capacity dies so you can have more of them and keep your parallelism high and keep your performance good overall, right? Because once you get up, once you get all the way up to like, a, you know, 32 gigabytes per die mm-hmm. capacity, you're trying to make 128 gig SSD, like it's four dies <laughs> on the SSD. So it's not very parallel, right? And, and flash memory, each individual die takes X amount of time to do a particular operation. Right. So you need more of them, right? Sure. Um, so they're, so... Uh, when I talked to them back at their Samsung, like in Seoul, when they did the 950 Pro launch, uh, I talked to one of their VPs, mm-hmm. and he was like, well, we're probably going to do this, um, you know, we'll probably make these 48-layer VNAND in dies that are also half the capacity. I think instead they opted to do this, which is to just have a further shrink of their planar NAND, because that would be a separate production line right. for them. And they're just... You know, it's a die shrink. It's not really the endurance seems the same. The performance of those die seems the same. It's just that it's a little bit smaller, so it'll be a little bit cheaper to make. Okay. Right. So you could fit more on a wafer. Right. Yeah. Um. So they're taking the planar stuff and they're putting it into two small capacity SSDs. So imagine just 840 Evo style devices, but only available in 120 and 250 gig. And the uh, they're only not gonna, 120 and 250. Yep. Okay. And they're not going to make a 120. Any more of the 850 Evo when that moves okay. to 48 layer VNAND? Okay. Because they're going to shift that line over. <laughs> would that be one half of one chip? No, it would just be like it would just be so few of them, right? It would just basically be <laughs> that would only be four dies. This this is crazy um, to me. So this is a picture of the inside of the 750 Evo. Look at all that yes. wasted space. There's so much space for activities. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we kind of saw this with the 850 Evos when we looked at them. Like the smallest capacity was kind of the oh, this thing. Right. Uh, right. But now it's like you have two capacities that are... Um, <laughs> You've got twice the room. Like the uh, entire product range has PCBs that short, so it's kind of funny that like the 2.5-inch form factor is how the... Like, uh, yeah. You can't change it, but yeah. like... I mean, uh, they might come out with this in MSATA, I would imagine. It wouldn't be hard, because we know they could fit the stuff on in, on the PCB. Why not make a 2-terabyte um, version of this with their cheapest dies? Like, you've got plenty of room for more chips in there. Would it be that much... Do you think they could make it less expensive? Could we get to $0.10 cents per gig? I don't know. <laughs> well, probably not 10 Maybe Just not 10 saying. but, you know, uh, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Don't I don't think that's sorry. Just, just not a, really a matter of space with these. Products. Yeah, I guess yeah. not. I mean, I just hate to see all that wasted space. Like, remember back in the days when OCZ made its three and a half inch SSD because they needed the space to fit that much memory yeah. in it. Yeah. And now there's room. And now we've I got think, plenty of space. I think they're just leaving the premium capacities, like the large capacities, to the 850 Evo territory. Right. No, it's an SSD yeah. with a secret hiding place in it. Because <laughs> the street you could put like. Because I mean, those stash, stash, stash cash in there. <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the 850 Evos are kind of going. My SSD. 850 Evos are kind of going for like around SSD about is 30 cents a gig. Now. Right. Right. They're going for around 30 cents a gig. This, the 250 gig, launches at 30 cents a gig MSRP. Right. So hopefully sales will be even lower than that. Even um, even more impressive, I think, than the thirty cents per per gig is just like saying, did you get a two hundred fifty gig SSD for seventy five dollars? Yes. Right. See, that that be, sounds more impressive to me than thirty cents that's, per gig. That's the though. thing. It used to be that the thirty cents a gig you only get in the much larger capacities. The right. idea here is they're able to hit that price point even at like a relatively small capacity. Right. right? What did you say the um, one twenty goes for? The one twenty is only twenty dollars cheaper. 
like what's 55. 55 bucks okay 46 well, yeah it's like 46. Yeah. i mean that's that's undercutting the 850 evo right now even in like martin in the channel of sales it's 67 dollars on amazon right now for yeah like 120 so they're going for like you know but you're only shaving just like a few bucks when you're at such a small capacity and yeah. 30 cents a gig ish you know pricing um i do like the idea of if you're kind of like a power user but on the cheap in a desktop system, and you, right. and you're the kind of person that was rating a couple of SSDs back in the day. Like you could do it again with this thirty cents a gig. You can have five hundred gig worth of, you know, Evo style, like with SLC cache. When are they supposed to be it. available? Uh, pretty soon, actually. They're not. I didn't see them for sale yet. No, I, like, I just that's what I was just doing. But I, I think it's just a matter of like just getting them in stock and stuff like that in places. Um, so, so keep uh, in mind, the, uh, you have the screenshot on the last page, the 850 Evo launched 250 gigs at $189. Yeah. And we are now at $75 so for the same capacity and, 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 and a little bit better performance. It is a little bit better. Uh, it's a little bit slower than 120 gig 850 Evo because it doesn't have VNAND working for it and oh, okay. that sort of stuff, right? Um, but... So I did some uh, latency percentile stuff. What page I look here? The, turbo, uh, the, the last, second to last page? Second to the last page. Okay. Um, and uh, I was working on this new workload that was supposed to like show a difference between cached and uncached stuff, mm-hmm. right? So you apply a workload to the SSD, and if you do it continuously for 100 seconds, it'll probably run into the TLC cache. That's the idea, right? And if you do it intermittently, then chances are it will not run into the TLC cache. You're giving the drive a chance to empty that SLC out to the TLC you know, in those gaps of time, right? Mm-hmm. To be more of a consumer kind of test. And I also was working at a consumer Q-Depth. So it was going more like a Q-Depth of 4, like something that you would typically see for writes. Like a random write Q-Depth 4, that probably be like the most demanding thing a just average right. user might do to the drive. Um, and I did all, I did, so the, the intermittent workload and the continuous workload on both capacities. And neither of them ran into the cache, like ran out of cache and ran into the TLC space. Because it wasn't, seeing enough IOPS, like it was actually able to keep up, even continuously. Oh, I see. Um, Because the cache on this, you know, it's like everything that gets written to it goes into the cache first, and then in the background, the dies are trying to shift over from SLC to TLC. Mm -hmm. And they can do that whenever they're idle. And so in the grand scheme of things, at a QDF4, it wasn't able to tax this enough to, to make it, you know, run out of enough idle time, even continuous 4K random. So... That resulted in an extremely tight band between yeah, the four. Um, yeah, and if you look at the percentile, so the top one there is all four different SSDs doing intermittent or continuous workloads at QDF of four random writes. Mm. Uh, and they're all basically identical. Uh, and then to show something where they weren't identical anymore, I added a couple of OCZ try-ons, mm-hmm. uh, the 100 and the 150, which we have a review coming up on, but we're still trying to get them to work some bugs out, as you can see by that graph there um the try on 100 it is the same workload just done for 100 seconds continuously and you can kind of tell where those drives run out of speed first you can tell what their slc speed is it's like the bot where that bottom section is where the two drives are close together mm-hmm. like that bottom uh maybe quarter or so uh but then they start to separate so one of those drives runs out of cache and shifts over to tlc and that's what that second like, uh, kind of arcs over okay. to that slower speed um and the newer version of the Trion actually hangs in there for longer, but then once it does run out, it's writing even slower than, than the previous version of the Trion. Um, 
So, but if you look at that, all of that stuff falls well later or longer latency than anything that these drives are doing, than right. these uh, 750 huh. Evos are doing. So, so when it comes to like you know keeping your system feeling snappy and stuff like that, it looks like if you want to do a budget thing, as far as this testing has shown, 256 so gig drive for 75 bucks. Like I said. Taking the cost per gig out of it just sounds awesome. Just seventy five bucks, like right. for good performing so seventy five dollars for basically the just a little bit more than the price of one PC game. Yeah. Just buy one. You can just buy one just and buy add one. Your system. You should just buy one. That should be the tagline. Just buy one. Well, it's like this is just like it's a default would be for sale. Like you know, yeah, they just need to be for sale. But like <laughs> if you know, it, this is like you're building a computer for your neighbor, like anything like that. Just buy one. You know, you just this is the SSD you throw in it. Like it's yeah. just that cheap. Like you get right? this and you spend a hundred dollars on a two terabyte hard drive. Yeah, I just like that you with that price point. Assuming the MSR, MSRP actually sticks and people don't like overprice it at all, but like that's just that's not even a sale, right? The other drives you have to kind of wait. You know, like I've had family members wanting to buy you know uh, an SSD and I'm just like, well, hit this one's good, but wait for a sale. Right. Like with this one, you don't even say the wait for a sale part. You're just like, I'm no, waiting just for get the sale this. down to 10 cents per gig, though. <laughs> that, they're going to like the $12 SSD. Yeah, you'll uh, have... It'll be, it'll be 25 <laughs> bucks. $24. <laughs> $24.99. That's all I want. Wow. That'd be a heck of a sale. When you put it that way, it sounds couple ridiculous. A Mc- couple of McDonald's value meals in San Francisco. See, that's Boom, the thing. Yeah. See, that's, that's why, that's why I think 10 cents a gig is going to take a little while. Whatever. Would you have thought we would have had a $55, 120-gig drive? Or seventy five dollars. Just, just think how many OS that's, drives you could have. That's the other handy. thing. I have a hard. I know. That's actually a good point. That's the other thing. I have a hard time recommending the hundred, the hundred twenty gig at all. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. Yeah. It's twenty dollars yeah. difference. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's like you're already spending fifty five bucks. I agree. This is twenty more dollars. You more than double the capacity. Right. Like, so why you know constrain yourself to one hundred twenty gig, which you'll probably run out of. Uh, Two fifty, you're yeah, less no, likely you to will. run out of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Um. Yeah. yeah, so that's cool. I mean, so that's a 750 Evo from Samsung. Just you know, the naming is maybe a little bit odd. But, uh, yeah, it is weird. Yeah. They, I think they wanted to more distinguish it away from the 850, 800 series. Oh, so they were just like, look, it's thirty. Uh, they could have done, uh, yeah. But now they I have like nine fifty, eight fifty. Yeah. So seven, I think they're just trying to keep them all something fifty. It's fine. It's fine. I don't, I don't really have that big of a problem with it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's talk about uh, Vulcan. Vulcan, we've been talking about it for a while. Mantle, yeah, just like that. Uh, Mantle became Vulcan, kind of. There was some controversy over that. Uh, Well, today, no, yesterday, Vulcan was kind of officially released. It's a 1.0 release. It's out in the world now. It's a hard launch. You can go download it. You can develop for it. There is is a conform. It's an API. It's yet another Vulcan BI. Okay. Uh, yes, whatever Josh said. It's a Vulcan API. Um, Vulcan. So Scott wrote this up. He gave me a couple of notes here, right? That the uh, they did a hard launch of the API. It's not just a spec or a driver. It's uh, several SDKs, examples, tools, samples, uh, a, a patch for uh, the Talos principle, which is another puzzle game. Okay. Um, that I think, Josh, you were talking about last week or the week before yeah. as well. That actually has a patch now that enables a Vulcan uh, API run through. Actually, it has DX11, no, 9, 11, 0, 0, OpenGL, and Vulkan. You can select from those APIs in the game <laughs> now. So they're, they're, they're making it a, a, a cornerstone for that. Um, those, those Crow Team guys, they, they kind of yeah. like to push things. They do, they do. And uh, I've talked with them and worked with them on a couple of other projects, and they, they definitely do. They're, 
they were on board on the whole like frame pacing, frame timing thing uh, from the get go with us as well. Uh, Scott says, you know, they didn't. They just basically did what they needed to. DirectX 12 doesn't have any market share outside of pre-release games, so um, you know, Vulcan's kind of like they're trying to get into uh, early market share leads here. Uh, the major question going forward is whether or not engines and middleware will actually take up Vulcan instead of DX12, and if performance will be equivalent or better. Uh, I I tried to run some benchmarks on the Talos principle. I haven't had a chance to do it yet. I saw computerbase.de or something do do some, um, and the general consensus is with the current drivers and the current setup, like the Vulcan path is slower than the DX11 path by fairly significant margin, but if you care about vendor-to-vendor comparisons, the Fury X was faster than the 980 Ti at 2560 and 1080p. Okay. Right? So in theory, you could you could posit that, well, okay, two things. One, Vulkan is not as optimized as DirectX 11. Not, not a surprise. Sure. Uh, and also that AMD might be better at Vulkan than NVIDIA is, which would also not be a surprise being the mantle heritage that it has. But I don't expect NVIDIA to kind of... I expect NVIDIA to work on it in the same way that they've worked on OpenGL, right? NVIDIA kind of had was unmatched in OpenGL performance for a long, 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 long time. Yeah. Um, and so we'll see if they put that same kind of effort into that. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of new information in the announcement, Scott says, although the SDK material, such as the Quick Reference Guide, had a few insights in it. Um, various, su- various supported device types, including CPU, discrete, integrated, virtual, or other. So he didn't notice what virtual or other was. My guess is virtual is like VM-based units, like maybe or something maybe. like that. I don't know. Um, virtual likely means Vulcan supported in VM. Yeah, see, there you go. Other, not sure. Other is my favorite graphics yeah, adapter type. <laughs> maybe special compute accelerators like FPGAs that could be loaded by Vulcan. Uh, un- unclear Snapdragon. at this point. Yeah. Well, like, uh, I, was it ARM? Maybe it's ARM. No, Intel... NVIDIA, and who was the third company that had conformant driver? Imagination Tech. Yeah, it was Imagination. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like, the Android guys were all, are all going to support Vulkan. Uh, Linux guys are all going to support Vulkan, so expect, you know, that whole thing to, to, to pan out. I just, you know, everybody has kind of, a lot of people have pledged that, hey, yes, we're going to work in Vulkan, but nobody has really said, we're going to, like, dedicate a bunch to it. Like, if you look at this slide uh, from the, the ecosystem presentation from Vulkan, you know, they list Oxide and Blizzard and EA and Epic and Valve and Unity. Yes, they'll have support for it, but how much so and how much, um, you know, effort do they put into those versus maybe DX12, right, right which is going to have the kind of default user base of Windows 10. I mean, that's obviously going to get all the attention first, like, so. I, I think so. I think so it will. All right, we're going to take a quick break here, guys, and thank uh, a returning podcast mm-hmm. sponsor, not a new one. Uh, that would be uh, our friends at audible.com supporting the PC Perspective podcast. Uh, they are a leading provider of audiobooks. If you don't know who Audible is, probably never listened to the internet before. Right, anything, like, on anything the on the internet, or just the internet in general. They have 180,000 downloadable titles. It says here uh, across all types of literature, fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. I've never read a magazine in audiobook form. I don't know how that would go. Maybe they mean more like professional mm. 
type. Like just the articles? Are the ads read louder in a different voice? <laughs> I, I, I read it yeah. for the articles. I listen uh, yeah. to it for the articles. Ken listens yeah, I was going to say, it's, articles, it's Playboy yeah. and Audible. <clears throat> so you got this gal here. She's <laughs> a bad uh, If you get the five, right narrator, seven, that could be I never thought one, five, it would five. happen to me, but... Uh, oh. Audio, if, if you've... So... One one disservice I think that that we have to this stuff is that it's called audio books still because books, but it's like like well, if, if books, it could be periodicals, if it yeah. could be um, you know all types of things. But to me, uh, and they mentioned this here, it's like the benefit of what an audio book is is not that you're getting different content; it's how you can consume it. Right. Yeah. So if you're the type of person that you know, I did this all the time in the summer when you're like doing yard work. Mowing the lawn, weed eating, doing landscaping, all that kind of stuff. If you're spending three hours outside, you've got three hours where you're, you know, you can have your mind doing something as well. If you have a long commute or even a short commute, um, if you ride the bus, you know, take the train, have a longer drive. If you're going to the gym to work out or you're doing running, um, cleaning house, that's something I, I would do all the time. I would listen to podcasts and audiobooks when mm-hmm. cleaning the house for a couple of hours, right? Yeah. Uh, had a Sono system so you could blare it across everything and all the rooms didn't matter where you walked. It was actually uh, a pretty nice. Um, for our audience members, Audible is offering a 30-day trial. If you go to audible.com slash pcper and browse the over 180,000 audio programs, you can download a title for free and start listening to it. It's really just that easy. Um, you can get uh, 112263 and listen to it before you watch the series on Hulu. Is it on Audible? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. That's okay. where I, that's where I oh, that's quote where you, unquote read that book. I, back I know. We always have out. this discussion when we have an Audible podcast. Is it reading or is it listening? Yeah. I still think reading is the like right. Like I just listened to it like to and from work back in San Antonio over the course of yeah. like a couple of weeks or so. Like, because it was, it was a long one. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was unabridged. It was like the whole book, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. Josh, I know, uh, Josh and Jeremy both, I asked you guys for suggestions for this. What, uh, what options did you come up with? You know, it's kind of a funny thing. Uh, Jeremy and I did uh, separate ones before, you know, looked them up. And I chose a Larry Korea novel, and uh, he chose a John Scalzi novel. So if you followed the Hugo Award things, you know that these guys (laughs) are not entirely friendly to each other. It's kind of funny, actually. What was the title of yours, Josh? Mine's Monster Hunter International. It's a really kind of fun book, fast-paced Lots of action. It's, uh, you know, literary value is questionable, but uh, it's enjoyable. <laughs> I mean, literary value is in the eye of the beholder, right? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, when I, when I picked this up and read it regularly, I just whizzed right through it. It was a very fast, fun, enjoyable read. And uh, I imagine uh, I've heard good things about the, uh, the people who have produced the recordings of uh, his books. So this uh, sounds like it's a lot of fun. Nice. There it is. Monster Hunter International. Free with your 30-day trial and membership. If you go to audible.com slash PCPer, you can pick that one up. Uh, Jeremy, what was your suggestion? Oh, I went with uh, Lock-In by John Scalzi, ah, which okay. is more of a near-future, not quite a dystopian, but uh, there's been a disease which has sort of changed the face of the world significantly. And it's read by Will Wheaton, so I mean, mm. how can you get enough of Will Wheaton? <laughs> I will He's point actually out, pretty good at reading those. Is he? Yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah. He's pretty good at reading. Well, that too. <laughs> but like, you know. It takes a special kind of talent oh, yeah. to do an audio book. Yeah, like, he, he has a good voice yeah, for it. Like it's, you know. I, I, I will say um, one of the things that, that, that shows up here with this Monster Hunter International, at least, is that it is WhisperSync for voice ready, which is the ability to, if you have a Kindle, 
you can read it on or even, the Kindle. Or even the Kindle app on a PC, I think. It also yeah, yeah, or your phone or whatever. Yeah. And then uh, where you stop reading it, if you start playing back the audio version, it kick, uh, yeah. kicks up where you left off in the reading. And then and if you go versa. back to the, the the book version of it or the digital book version of it, it kind of goes back and forth yep. on it as well, which is which is a really cool feature. So uh, you guys can check that out, audible.com slash PCPer. You get 30 days for free. Uh, and we thank Audible for their support of the PC Perspective podcast. And now on to your normally scheduled programming as he rotates through the tabs on his thing. So let's talk about uh, a display port adapter because that's riveting entertainment. Yeah. Right? Um, Ken wrote this up. We got in an A-Cell DisplayPort 1.2 to HDMI 2.0 active adapter. It is this beautiful piece of technology that you see here before you. It's got uh, shiny piano black. It's plastic. shiny and very piano black. a little black, black dongle. Uh, and what's the significance of this is that um, AMD really needed these things to come out months ago, right, and really be available. I know somebody in the comments pointed out that, like, Club 3D had one but it hasn't been that long it has been a long and also like every time i've ever looked at it it's not been in stock and i think that's only in europe aren't they only a european no, reseller i don't think so i don't know um so uh this is basically allow you to convert a displayport 1.2 port to hdmi 2.0 keeping in mind that the fury x the fury and the R9 Nano did not have HDMI 2.0 capability built onto the graphics cards. So even though the R9 Nano was a fantastic design to a GPU, and now that it's a lower price point, it's even better, uh, lets you to build some of those really, really small form factors that we showed you in that video and story combination. Um, but you didn't have HDMI 2.0, so it was hard to make the case of it being a home theater PC machine. Yeah, because you want to promote like, hey, 4K TVs, HDMI 2.0, 4K 60 hertz, blah blah blah, uh, and TVs don't have DisplayPort connections. So this adapter, how much was this, Ken? Um, Thirty dollars? Thirty-seven, I think. Thirty-seven ninety-nine. Thirty-seven ninety-nine. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and it lets you convert from just DP 1.2 to HDMI 2.0, which you could do on um, Nvidia cards, right, or AMD cards. Yeah. But it's really only particularly necessary. That's not true. No? If you have a 780 Ti and you'd like ah, to hook it up to your 4K right. TV, there okay, you go. Okay, that's true. So if you have an older, uh, like a non-Maxwell-based GPU. Non-Maxwell 2. So if you have a 750 Ti, it would also... Yeah. If, if you manage to have one with the DisplayPort, which there weren't very many, but... Yeah, probably not. Um, but so any any older GPU that you want to move over to an HDMI 2.0 connection, 4K60, or, uh, uh, or you have... You know any AMD GPU essentially that exists that has DisplayPort 1.2, you can now convert to 4K 60. It works. It's doing it at uh, 444. It's none of the kind of 420 trickery type stuff. You know, color dithering um, that uh, we saw on some of the older NVIDIA GPUs through their HDMI 1.4 stuff. So that's on uh, 37. It's 37.99. I think it's only really for sale on Acell's website. That's A-C-C-E-L-L dot com. Uh, but if you go find our story, we have a link to uh, that uh, purchase location as well. Uh, up next, the Cerebrus. Cerebrus? Cerebus? Cerebus? Yeah, I don't know why I kept seeing uh, Cerebrus. The um, Cerebrus. Yeah. Cerebro. Meet Cerberus. Cer- Cerberus. Cer- what? Cer- That's spelled differently. Cerberus. Cerberus. Is, is the, dog, the birds three-headed dog, right? Uh, Three heads. Okay. Yep. 
It is a. It's not the first crowdfunded case, uh, but this is not a mini like nano ITX type thing. This is a micro ATX case, uh, made here in the USA, according to this. Um, Jeremy, what what sticks out to you about uh, about this chassis? It's freaking tiny. Yeah. It's 18.2 liters, which they point out is about uh, 10 liters smaller than anything else on the market. Or to put in more normal terms, it is 320 mils high, 170 millimeters wide, and 364 millimeters deep, aka 12.6 by 6.7 by 14 inches. So, frickin' tiny. At the same time, they set it up in such a way where you've got that nice little swing outdoor for if you want to put a water cooler in there, because good luck fitting it anywhere else. It will fit two uh, GPUs, as you can see. Yep. It'll do full-sized uh, ATX and as well as the SFX PSUs, which can be a really big thing because SFX PSUs are not cheap and not no. necessarily easy to find in the power you want. Right. Uh, it comes in both this black color and a white color. A couple of options on it. We can get one with a handle if you so desire. Oh, yeah. But it's just, it's a nice looking small case. Going to have decent ventilation if you're going to stick a nano in there. And, I mean, you don't usually things see things being built by a uh, committee working out well, but I think this may actually do it. What, uh, what do we say? Let's see. Indiegogo campaign launches, mar- launches March 1st. Um, did they mention the, 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 the expected price tag for something like this? I don't see that on here I, anywhere. I, I, no. I need that. The the price or the case? The the case. It's, Look at that. It's, Look at that. It's, it's, it's that's, that's about it's, as compact as you can get, you know? It, it oh, would gotcha. be... It, what do you think the airflow is like inside that? Eh, it's yeah. probably fine. You've got to have those blower-style coolers on those CPUs, don't you? <laughs> Yeah. Notice they have an Intel 750 yeah. SSD between them as well. Huh. They do. Yeah. <laughs> good thing it has a good heatsink on it. Like MATX, that's that's awesome. Yeah. That yeah. It could be that small. It, yep. it, it's yeah. probably not going to be the most pleasant thing to build in. But oh no, you're going to get cuts in your hand trying to get. Once you in get there, it but. all in there. So like like this, the, like the door here for the uh, cooler is a nice addition. I think Absolutely. it's mandatory. Yeah. yeah well, probably. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you I mean like you got to like those cables are going to get smashed down in there, the tubes for the, for the water cooling and that kind of stuff. I don't know. I want to see what the pricing is going to be. Uh, I will say that I actually really liked the in case M one, which, uh, Sebastian yep. references here is like, it a was a bit bigger case. It, uh, no, I think it was smaller. Wasn't it? The in case M one was, was a mini. I thought was it was a, a little bit bigger than this one. Was it an ITX case? Yeah, it was ITX. Oh, okay. I think it was an ITX build. Um, but it was a crowdfunded case, but it was also fairly expensive because of its small, you know, runs in production. Um, but uh, I, I think we'll give this a shot. Hopefully, they'll they'll send one uh, our way. Well, take a think about like we could fit that in our Pelican case and just like be on the go and have have yep. a desktop PC for streaming. Just like right, have yeah. a, a UPS over the other shoulder. There you go. Perfect. Uh, real quick, we'll mention this. Qualcomm announces the X16 modem featuring Gigabit LTE because we all, everybody wants that. Um, 
It's the industry's first gigabit LTE chipset to be announced, achieving speeds of up to one gigabit per second using 4X carrier aggregation, uh, succeeding the X12 modem that had 3X carrier aggregation. Out with that old garbage, in with the new hotness, uh, so that we can all get gigabit speeds on our Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile servers. Right, guys? Mm. Right? Nobody. In seven years? Yeah, that's kind of the problem, right? So, Or if you go over to Europe, you can get it now. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Carrier aggregation is, is such an interesting idea until you understand that, like, everybody has caps. Like, everybody's paying per gigabyte in the U.S. Um, yeah, you know, there's unlicensed LTE spectrum that you get into that gets into some of this performance capability. Um, Almost all of it's in leveraging that unlicensed to some extent, right. at least in the diagrams that they're showing, which... Well, I mean, if it's around, that's a good thing, but that's it's not key. necessarily going to be there. That's the key is, is like you can see like on Microsoft's campus, they may integrate LTEU or Qualcomm's campus. They may maybe on college campuses, they might integrate LTEU to help uh, improve wireless performance uh, across their networks. But it's like, you know, in the middle of Florence, Kentucky, are you going to have this availability of bandwidth? Probably not, um, at least not in the interim right or in the in the next foreseeable future but it's important to have um, modems like this that come out that exist that allow and enable that performance uh you know even if it's in very selected markets on selected devices and selected scenarios uh but getting it out there so that we're we're moving forward on 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 all on all avenues here 256 gives you reason to pick up that gigabits router that's pretty insane that the 256 qualm I think a, you guys were a, looking on a up, cell phone modem. We're you guys looking were looking at, up uh, like forty ninety six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> it's still two fifty six on. Receives data on four antennas through four device. by four MIMO and supports up to four X carrier aggregation. <laughs> that's yep. That's that's it's pretty awesome that that just points. works. Like that they yeah. like as an engineering thing that they can do that. Um. So let's get into this topic real quick. Uh. We need to talk about it. We don't have to talk about it for that long, um, but every, every, it's, it's, a big, it's, big, it's a big to-do. Jeremy, you're on the wrong story. We're talking about Apple now. You posted the wrong thing. No, we're the talking wrong. about Apple. I thought we just skipped that. No, I thought so too, but Ken just had it in a different order on the, on the sidebar than oh, it I was did? in the show notes. It's fine. So Apple um, posted an open letter to the world about encryption uh and scott wrote up a small editorial about kind of what the topics were what the reasoning behind it was his kind of opinions on it uh it's an interesting thing i'm sure everybody's heard the story that the short version of it is um the san bernardino terrorists had iphones um they're encrypted and locked with their standard four to six digit pen the fbi has requested (laughs) in a uh through legal means for Apple to build an operating system that would allow them to brute force unlock the phone, allow the FBI to do it, like in order to just, if it's only a four digit password, you've got 10,000 combinations, you know, so Mm. you could do it. The problem is as the phone is today, after 10, it like erases the whole drive, right? The whole device, right? So they don't want to do that. They want Apple to enable it to be brute force without uh, without that without that hanging over their head. Apple does not want to do that. They call it uh, creating a backdoor, a slippery slope down, other things that uh, they might 
they might do. Um, uh, I've, this line uh, closes their letter. It says, we believe the FBI's intentions are good, it would be, but it would be wrong for the government to force us to build a backdoor into our products, and ultimately we fear that this demand would undermine the very freedoms and liberty our government is meant to protect. This is a really politically charged debate. Uh, we were just listening to like the Marco Rubio town hall before we started getting ready for the show, and this was like the thing that came up uh, in that discussion. Um, Security yep. versus freedom. What do you want? And, it, and it's freedom. Wait, what? Yeah, you what? can only pick one. Yeah, how? I don't. You can only pick one. Security versus private. It's a privacy argument. It's not a freedom argument. Oh, it's freedom. <laughs> It's freedom. It's the freedom to be private. This is America. We're always free. It's the freedom yeah. to be private is what it is, right? It's the freedom to have encrypted stuff. Free my privates. Right. My <laughs> guess is in China, they don't have that freedom. Uh, no. Right. No. I, I, would, I would guess that would be the case. So, I, you know, everybody's going to have their opinion on this, but I'm curious, like, the three of us have discussed this internally. Mm-hmm. Josh, Jeremy, what side do you fall on on this? Are you... And you don't have to have like a blanket answer. I support Apple. I support the FBI. But what's your what's your stance? You know, I'm I'm surprised that Apple took this this stance a little bit, and uh, you know, I applaud them for that because <clears throat> every choice we make, we we the, the, there is risk involved, and I I'd like to think that we as people who live in the United States and and any kind of human out there believes in in the individual mm-hmm. and. The ability to do what we want without hurting others. So I want to encrypt my stuff, and it's not hurting any others. Why do I have to be punished? I mean, what if I'm saying, you know, nasty things to Ken, and he's saying nasty things back? And we don't want that conversation public, but it's not hurting anybody, because mm-hmm. Ken is really gross in the things that he <laughs> talks about. <laughs> that's, that's normal. Yeah, and yeah. so it's it's it's... Why do we have to have these back doors? We have to have the government sneaking in when they don't need to. I mean, it's my life. It's my privacy. Yeah. I may not do things the way you like it, but it's not hurting you. So what's the point? So, so it's it's good to have this. And, you know, it's, it's been a big debate. Like I said earlier, I mean... It, do you want to have a lot of security? And if by having a lot of security means you've got cameras everywhere, you've got people poking into your stuff, you have uh, people, you know, government agencies checking out your kids. Um, it just where where does it stop? And I'm 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 happy that Apple said you know the line is drawn here, no further. Jeremy, what do you think? Uh, weaponizing math has got to be one of the most absurd things I have encountered in many absurd things over the past decade or so. But that, that's sort of what this comes down to is, well, you can't use encryption in math that we can't just immediately figure out. That's that's just horrible. And apart from the absurdity of it, the thing is that, I mean, I'm not calling them technological illiterates, but... They're bloody technological illiterates. If you put a backdoor in something, it doesn't just magically open for one person. Once the backdoor is there, it's there for freaking everyone to find and exploit. So as soon as you put that in, anyone and their brother is going to be ha- ha- finding a way to get in there, and boom, that's it. Now, 
all the people you don't want in there are in there. It's not just going to be the magic government fairies that get in there. You put that back door in, everyone's going to get in sooner or later. I hate government there, magic there is, fairies. There is some differences here with this particular thing, though. There is, because this wouldn't be an OS-wide thing. This would be a very specific thing. Well, no, right. it's, that, it's that all they're, all that this does, it, it's bypassing like the fact that it waits longer and longer on bad passwords or bad passcodes, yeah. and the fact that it's, uh, you know, if in this case, I think the phone has the thing turned on where if you do 10 bad attempts, then it just it wipes itself, it. right? Yeah. So they're trying to just get around that part so that they can then brute force the passcode. But, right. you and, know... And it's, it's not like the the FBI... Well, it's not like the FBI has a court order for them to put this in every iPhone. It is to flash an updated version of the software onto the, this specific iPhone. Yeah. It's not necessarily creating a backdoor in every iPhone tomorrow. It's interesting to me... Although I have very big worries about once they create the version of this operating system, right. what happens to it. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a fair worry to have. Like, this is interesting to me in that, first of all, did the government know what they were asking was even possible? Like, did Apple have to go, yeah, we could do that if we wanted to, and then they got the quarter? Well, I was just curious about d- that. Didn't, we, didn't like, we find out that it's actually not possible on, like, the newer iPhones? I don't think yeah, it's, it's possible on anything with a Touch ID sensor. Oh, okay. Because okay. of the way the encryption is secure on the This is much everything. less of an issue for me than if it's not even possible on the more modern phones and all the future ones going out. Right. Right. So. Yeah, until it, they want it on all new phones coming out. That's the just concern. Just in case that's, this happens. And that's, Again, concern. that's because a possible if, that the government might somehow mandate what the product well, had to, has to allow. It, it's precedent, right? Like if, if, uh, if the court is able to get leverage Apple to do X, mm-hmm. then in the future... But what if Apple says we actually can't do that anymore? Well... Right. Yeah, but then, but then like, but if they did it on a previous one, mm-hmm. then the argument can be made, well, so you should have kept making them that way. Well, so then, yeah, but we so didn't. Then there like, they've be, already stopped right, right, doing right. it that But way. then there could be some future law that says, well, any U.S. manufacturer has to you include know, and there this may not possibility. Even be a future law that we know of public. There could be some right. real kind of pressurings, like uh, you know, you get a get a visit from the Treasury Department and IRS yeah. to <laughs> Apple. It says uh, so you, you know that I think they deserve that country, huh? I think they deserve that anyway, regardless ah. of what they're getting out of this. I to me, and I see some interesting comments in the chat about this. It's like I view this as I, I think there's a safer way to do this than the way it's being presented. The way it's being presented now is like, hey. You give us the tool to enable that, right? And yeah. I would rather see Apple make this change to this one device and then give the phone to the FBI as opposed to giving the FBI the tool to do this and other devices in the future, right? Um, and then your trust factor has to go back from uh, the government back to Apple. Now, you may have different opinion on which one of those things you trust more or less than the other, <laughs> yeah. right? But the, but like I said before, or I, like I said when we were having this comment before, even though Apple hasn't created this thing yet, the fact that they say that they can, like your inherent trust in them should remain the same, whether or not they have done the thing that they can do or not. If they do it at all, I would prefer that they don't just give the FBI this method of doing this. Right. You know... Fine. Pass okay, us the but phone. That, that phone is going to be in evidence. So let's say Apple takes that and they, you know, yeah. desolder all the the memory, put it on uh-huh. a, a another board that has the updated firmware 
and whatnot that they can get past that stuff. Sure. That phone goes back in evidence. Is that even admissible be... anymore? Like chain of you just need chain of custody. custody. So you would just yeah. have people at Apple sign for receiving it and stuff. It's still you still have yeah. Chain no, of I'm custody. talking about that evidence is going back to the feds, mm-hmm. and well, they've yeah. got the technology in hand and and the software that they can deconstruct. Well, yeah, we, that, we that was the, one of the things we were talking we about. We had that debate before. Not, like, not would, they, would they be able to like because you can't yeah, diff like, the OS and like an iPhone's not going to take any update any OS update that's not signed by apple like and that's already coded in there and the catch-22 is you can't really change the os in order to make it accepted without it being well yeah like i mean no it's not that change the it's like there's a check going on at a very low level for like signed code Mm -hmm. for it to update itself yeah but but jailbreaking is a thing and if if they found the change they need to make the operating system in theory there could be a jailbreak like exploit that the fbi could use to make these changes on the the operating system so they could brute force another phone there could be it it's interesting to look at some technology it's it's, it's very interesting i also find it more like now knowing that this is a 5C and this is not possible on a 6 or a 6S. Well, maybe not possible. Maybe not possible yeah. or a 6 on a 6S. Right. To me, it's it's even less of a – like a, I, I have been on the side of, look, this is a one-time thing. Yeah. As long as we follow the, le- the legality of getting a warrant to do this and not just giving the federal government the ability to blanket access these devices. Yeah. Um, I'm probably okay with it with some caveats. The fact that it's like, I'm not saying that people who have older phones don't deserve the same rights as everybody else, but it's like, oh, well, this solution might kind of solve itself as we progress through phone sales. Like, I, okay, maybe that yeah. helps. And also, uh, I think that, I know it's everybody considers it a backdoor still. I find it less of a backdoor if you have physical access to the device. I know that's kind of a... Odd way of putting it, but well, it's not like they're building in a thing in the operating system where the federal government can do this while my phone is sitting here, right? And my other question right. is: if you've got actual physical access to that phone, mm-hmm. can you not desolder the body chip? It's still make encrypted. an exact copy of it and then screw the fuck around with that. No, it's. it's uh, still, I mean, it's still a, going to there's be there's a part that's there's a part that's yeah, not but accessible now you can try and unencrypt it without having to worry about that ten, or if it does. Well, you make another copy. And so you make okay, copy. okay. So that level of encryption is actually the actual like file system level encryption. Okay, so you can't even read it at that point. Well, no, it's not that. Like brute forcing that, you're trying to brute force like AES two fifty six. Right. Good so freaking luck. Which, if right? anyone could, so so you so you go from right. just trying to brute force the passcode in a reasonable amount of time to brute forcing like you know more combinations than there are like atoms on the earth or some crap. Right. Like that. Yeah, you think sure. about a four digit passcode has 10,000 combinations. <laughs> they would much rather have the option to do that. Yeah. Than 256 bit AES. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's an interesting precedent for the federal government to compel a private company to develop, to use their time and resources to develop something that they don't want to develop. Right. Correct. I do agree with that. That it's like not exactly free market compelling there. a, that's the other thing. To do like, something. like, so think about that in in terms of like how expensive is Apple's time as a company, right? I you want them to I, roll out an OS. I think if update. you're looking for the sympathy nod towards Apple, no, I don't mean that. Use of time and no, finances, not, not Apple, not Apple it. specifically, but like, okay, what if it's a mom and pop company? That right, makes right. No, this no, thing? I get it, but like, it's not. You put you could put that company out of business. I, I get it, but it's not. Like this is the largest company in the but world. But there's no but. 
you know, the precedent doesn't work that way. It's like I, you got a company yeah. to do this. Mm-hmm. It, there's no little note that says, oh, but if yeah, it's but a little it's a, mom but and it's pop a judge. shop. It's a judge's But decision. this only applies if you make several billion dollars a year. If you make less than that, then you're immune well, to I'm it. Saying, no, I'm saying law doesn't is, work that this way. This is a judge's decision. It's a, it, this is not I know, a, but when it's – but when if, it's okay, if it happens this time, if you're in the same situation but the device is just made by somebody well, lesser let, – Let's say I made my like own fork of Android and put this in there. You don't think they would compel me to – do the same thing? The precedent would already be there. There would be no reason a judge wouldn't say, yeah, and order Ken to do that. Well, that and case. then if you're a small guy, you say, look, that's going to cost me $100,000 and they go, time. The federal government they might go, say, well, we'll pay you to do that. No, they go, we will put because you in jail if you do not do it. No, they might do that. See, that's where I'm kind of going with this. Like, I, think this is a, I think that's a dumb part of the argument. Not, not that it's a dumb part, but it's, like, it's irrelevant in this instance because you're not going to get somebody that goes, oh, boohoo, Apple had to spend five engineers 10 days to do this right like, it, it, i think it's it, it, more than that like it's, like, an, it's an interesting thought of what the precedent and where you draw the line after that of what do you yep. compel them to develop yep, it is. for you yeah it is yeah. and and that's why at the beginning of our discussion earlier today i was like just make it so you can't do it anymore you know it'd be so funny they go through all this like and if just you like, actually can't do it then. just like what people are saying in the chat they go through all this and it's like it's actually one two three four like, <laughs> I bet they tried a couple. They, I bet they've tried like all four zeros and like you think one two three four. You think they're, they're like, well, like, like all right, all right, we're out. Don't don't do any more. We're gonna burn it. Uh, apparently, there's talk that it can work on the uh, like the the same sort of thing can work on the six and six S, but like the the operating system they developed to work on the five C would not work with secure enclave phones, but it's still possible to develop a similar sort of. I'm sure mechanism. there. I'm sure there are ways that they could. Well, I'm like, not sure, like if that if that got out and was analyzed, or even if it was just, that those changes were just analyzed by the FBI, like that's just chinks in the armor of sure of yep. like Apple's yep. I get it. thing, right? I like, get it. You know, you're giving away part of the keys to the kingdom when I, you do I, something like that. I get it. I just as I, I it's, it's an interesting thought. I, experiment, I see. At least. See both I sides. I see of the it. I see the value of getting the data off the phone, right? Yeah, the potential value because you don't know what's on it. There could be nothing on it, or there could be everything on it, right? The potential value of what's on the phone is to me uh, worth having the thought experiment and maybe worth having a, a trial at it. I don't know. I don't know. I can't see it being the one simple solution that solves all of the questions that are open in this. It's not the only thing. There is more evidence. There will be more communications. I, there are other ways. I, yeah, I, I, I mean, I guess. I, and, I, and I see, you know, like you have the Google CEO come out in support of uh, Tim Cook and uh, who else came out and did that today? Somebody else did. I only saw Sundar. Um, Microsoft uh, did? No. No, no, Google CEO oh. came yeah. out and said that um, – not Alphabet CEO, Google CEO, <laughs> just to yeah. be sure. That's just their stock. We support them, and that makes sense for them because they run Android. They don't want to be put in the same predicament. Yeah, I mean Android uh, 6.0 forces full-disk encryption. Yeah, it is the same thing. Right, which Apple's been doing for a couple of years. Yep. but Android yep. 6.0 does it now. So, so like, it would be it would be uh, it would be interesting. This will not be the end. No, no, no. I think this is something oh, we'll no. hear about for a while. Uh, and if they continue to fight it, it'll be interesting to see if it makes it to the Supreme Court and what their decisions are. I don't, I don't know. 
it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. I, I think, um, Ken, I'm going to screw this up here. And I'm going to go to the ad first before we move on to the next story. You can okay, just leave I'm not that where it's at. Move that at that all. No, I would just leave the the rundown where it is. I would do to mention real quick that this episode of the PC Perspective Podcast is brought to you by Brain Tree Payments. By next year, maybe even next week, there could be a whole new way to pay. Could be. Could be. Maybe the federal government knows about it already. And they're Couldn't just waiting tell to tell us. Uh, maybe it will be the next Bitcoin, or it could be the next Apple Pay, or a combination of the two. Bit Apple Coin. You know, think about it. Uh, fortunately, Braintree's full stack payment platform is easily adaptable to whatever the future holds, so you can adapt to it easily too. Accept everything from pounds to PayPal to that next big innovation from any de- any device with just one integration. And when that new payment method comes out, all you have to do is update a few lines of code. That sounds much better than the alternative. No late nights, no complicated recoding, no stress about staying ahead of the curve. Braintree Payments is here to help. Learn more at braintreepayments.com slash pcper. Uh, they have simple, secure payments, code you can integrate quickly. If you don't have time, you can give them a call, and they'll handle the integration for you. Uh, it supports Android, iOS, JavaScript clients. They have SDKs for .NET, Node.js, Java, Perl, PHP, Python, and Ruby. That's a lot of them. Uh, and it's elegant code written with clear documentation. So, again, visit them and learn about it at braintreepayments.com slash pcper. And we thank them for their support of this very podcast you listen to. All right, let's Soon move. they may even take Canadian. What? what? Nobody wants that. That's like Monopoly money. Have you seen point. that graph? I watch it every day. You guys, oh, yeah. you Canadians are getting a raise from me every week. It, it was so <laughs> true. <laughs> it, it was so bad that we were looking at buying an expensive camera and we priced out what it would cost in Canada and have you ship it to us. And it was That's lower. True. It was a little bit lower. Yeah, (laughs) but then I was worried about returns and all that stuff, too. Um, Al, let's talk real quick about Micron's upcoming 3D NAND, what it means for capacities, performances, costs. Yeah. What does it mean? What what does it mean? So, so Micron had a kind of sort of press release-ish kind of thing. It was going to be a press release, and then they said, well, no, but you can talk about it on this day. Anyway. Yep. Um... So they gave us uh, some information about their upcoming, uh, their 3D NAND. So this is basically what's going to be the IMFT style Intel slash Micron Fab um, 3D NAND. Uh, And it's going to be 32 layer. And the extra info we have is now like page sizes, block sizes, things like that. And those kind of things play into when you try to guesstimate how well a SSD is going to perform like 4K random write performance or something like that. Right. so in this case, this memory has uh, 16 kilobyte pages, which is pretty large for a page, and the block size is either uh, 16 meg for MLC or 24 meg for TLC. So like, right. so this is like your kind of worst case thing if you had an SSD with very little over provisioning and you were doing like 4K random to it continuously to like the whole span of the thing. So think like an enterprise right. kind of scenario. Um, eventually, the thing would get to the point where more times than not, uh, a 4K write would translate to a 16 or a 24 megabyte write on that SSD. So that's kind of a big amplification effect. <laughs> that's, a, that's actually part of the reason that like the, the Intel Enterprise PCI SSDs, right, like the P3600, 3700, stuff like that, um, or especially like the 3608, that one that was a dual right. drive, right? Uh, they all three kind of had the same amount of flash on them, but the capacities got 
much, much lower. Like, they had the same amount of Flash dies. Oh, present, oh because right? of the... Uh, so the performance was actually higher. The, the performance yeah. was higher in these smaller capacity models. Just Which because they were... abnormal. Well, that, kind of abnormal, right? Yeah. Um, but the performance was much higher because they basically had the same amount of Flash, but they were over-provisioning it so far yeah. that if you had larger blocks, well, those blocks don't seem as large now if you're only using, like, a fraction of them, right? So basically, like, that kind of trick makes it so you can do random... You know, really hit the SSD hard on random writes, and still keep performance high. Yeah. Right. Because um, you're not playing musical chairs with as much of the data gotcha. to do each one of those writes. So that was good information that came out. But I think the more, much more important tidbit, um, aside from all that same die size stuff that we just talked about on Samsung, mm-hmm. applies to this too. Okay. Right. You're going to make small SSDs. You you kind of shoot yourself in the foot if you have a 32 gigabyte die right um gigabit. so gigabyte really 16 oh. or 32 gigabytes in die capacity is where we're getting okay like per die um it's the case oh, where you, oh, yeah, yeah it's yeah, the case yeah, where 120 yeah. gig ssd is like four dies right um so that same kind of stuff is going to apply to uh and we're not even sure what the speed of their 3D NAND is going to be like we know Samsung's ended up being much quicker mm-hmm. we don't know if IMFT stuff is going to be twice as fast as their planar stuff we have no way of knowing that until it actually comes out right but if twice as fast does the walk only last half as long uh, actually the endurance for this stuff <laughs> it's, it's, it's a nice it's a nice segue though it's, kind it's of it's, it's, it's actually a segue <laughs> um, uh, they're claiming endurance of 30,000 uh, cycles, 30,000 write cycles, which Ish. is really freaking high. It's high. Of a number. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, their planar stuff was like 1,500 or 3,000 for like the most recent generation stuff. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So when Samsung came out with their Vena and they said they were claiming twice the endurance, this is 10 times. Hmm. Right? So that is pretty good. Right. Uh, and That's okay. The the Sorry. the kind of reason for that difference is that they're still using um, they're still using floating gate for their design, right? They're using they're, they yeah, basically adopted their their uh, technical ability that they were using on planar NAND, which is what almost everybody was using on planar NAND. But Intel and Micron are the ones that figured out how to make that same technology work in 3D, gotcha. which supposedly gives them more volume of a channel to store electrons compared to hmm. the other technology, that, like the stuff that's in VNAND. Um, so that's good. And it's also very good at like controlling leakage of electrons. So that was, that's what also right. helps you with your endurance, right? Hmm. Yeah. Um, but that, that most important tidbit that was kind of snuck in there, uh, and I can't say how they're going to do it, but I think their next step is going to be to double the capacity per die. So you're not, they're not going to do like what Samsung did, which they went from 32 layers to like 48 layers. Uh, the next generation of this stuff, after the one that hasn't come out yet, <laughs> but the next generation is going to but have, they're promising. Is going to have double the capacity because they've already talked about, like presented stuff mm-hmm. to, um, at like, uh, I forget what the name of the whatever ISSCC is called. There's actually a presentation from Micron at ISSCC that already happened where they talked about die capacities of 512 gigabit and 768 gigabit for TLC. So that's like 
It has 64 layers? Can't say. What do you mean you can't say? It they says could, right here, could, you can do the could, math for that on your own. Well, they can make the dies bigger. Yeah. Okay. See, there's other ways to do it, right? right? So, we can't say yet how they're going to do it. How many layers tall does it have to be before I can see the thickness? Like, I want to see it. You want to be able to tell? I want it to be like this. I want it to be like a stack of quarters. (laughs) Hmm. 10,000 layers. Like, I don't think the thickness is really that far off between, like, a CPU die thickness and, like, this this 32 layer stuff. Because, like, if you think uh, CPU dies, like, there's a lot of, like, interconnects Mm -hmm. going on, like, Mm -hmm. a bunch of layers of that, which actually is part of this as well, like, they're saying 75% of their, like, interconnect and, like, CMOS logic and stuff, the stuff that's dealing with the switching and, like, the moving data around, that stuff is a layer on its own, as opposed to being off to the side in this type of flash, specifically. Which is also a new thing, right? Usually, if you look at a flash memory die, there's, like, a little chunk off to the side that looks like a different you know, you just have the flash area, which is all just, like, you know, just, like, a doesn't have any kind of structure to it at all and, and just looks like a flat plane of just stuff, right? Because right. it's just a grid of tightly packed flash cells, right? But then off to the side, there'll be like this section of logic. So the idea is they're put, moving some of that underneath, which is good, because now you don't need that thing off to the side to be as large anymore, and now the dies are smaller hmm. for the same capacity, right? Now you got more dies so on the wafer. the size of the die. It's how you work the interconnect. Uh, kind of, yeah. But I would imagine that Intel kind of provided some of the, the thinking behind that because that's exactly how like the interconnects on cpus work to be able to True. connect all those you know there's some pretty good production people in that regard yeah yeah i'd say they're they're kind of you know did they the, give us a timeline on all this in the no uh so that means no the current generation stuff it should be sampling to people it's just not in any shipping product yet yeah but it should definitely be at the like sampling and like you know okay that kind of thing. We saw it in one SSD like prototype at CES. Like it just had those chips on it, but right, you know, yeah. nothing, nothing that's in a shipping product yet. So fair enough. You should have uh, stole it. Yeah, yeah. grab yeah, it. Just run. Our last news story of the day is apparently Nvidia is working on, according to this rumor at least, a new iteration of the GTX 950. Um, but not the 950 Ti. This would instead kind of go the other direction. The 950 LP is what it's kind of being called low power? right now. Yep, low power, so it's still Maxwell 2.0. Um, is this a desktop thing? Yes, it would be a desktop add-in card, GM206 based, uh, a little bit lower performing than the GTX 950. If the specs are right, you've got 768 CUDA cores on the 950, 640 on the new 950 LP. Fewer texture units, uh, half the raster ROPs, half 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 the ROPs, um, about the same GPU clock, 128 bit memory bus, two gigs of memory, uh, and about the same memory frequency and but all it, that. Isn't the 950 the non LP like still pretty power efficient? It is. It is. This you is still just need a six pin power cable for it. Yep. Yeah. Oh. So the the estimate here is this is a 70 watt part instead of a 90 watt part. Oh, you power that off the bus. I would. Seventy-five watts. It, it would be right on the edge. Yeah. It would be right on. It the is edge. right on the edge, but yeah. like, well, seventy-five watts is the spec for yep, a PCI right. yep. slot. Yeah. Yeah. PCIe. So I don't know if this is, you know, Sebastian and I were talking about this rumor this morning, and it seems likely that this might be like an OEM only part. I would maybe. imagine. Right. I. I don't know, oh, man. With all the other, with, there's so much GPU crap like it floating up in the air right now. Uh, I don't see this being a beneficial retail product necessarily. 
unless it's supplanting something. Like if you look at this diagram that video cards put together, it's got the 950 and then the 750 Ti, the 950 LP, and then the 750, and it kind of gives you an idea of what the breakdown is and you know that type of stuff. The 750 Ti still has lower power consumption than this supposed 950 LP. Uh, same number of shaders, similar clock speeds and memory configurations and all that, but I would think the 950 LP would be uh, faster than the 750 Ti. So is this just like maybe a yield thing? I mean, on the at, this point in, at this point in a product's life, yes. Everything like, is a yield hey, thing. Hey, we got a stack of chips that had uh, Correct. You know, a quarter of the ROPS bad. Yep. You know, like, let's yep, just... It's exactly what it would be. It's like, man, we got all this silicon sitting here in this bin. Yeah. It's just like in this... It's just in this drawer, and every time they open it up, <laughs> just, there's jingle, 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 all just, this GPU dies. Tom's, right? Tom's got that filing cabinet drawer yeah, on his desk. Like, he just God, opens it up. There's 7,500 7, <laughs> of these GPUs here. I wish we could make a product to sell them. I mean, like, the 750 Ti is what, like two years old at this it's point? February 18th, 2014. Yeah, so day. I don't know. Ooh, tomorrow's his birthday. Put Ooh, a new product out. I don't know. <laughs> so I'm going to get a headache. So in like in like high school or ju- like junior high, like one of my teachers had like just this, this drawer, his like filing cabinet drawer. There's a filing cabinet drawer on both sides of his desk, sure, right? Yeah. And he only yeah. ever used the left one. And like on the last day of school, I happened to be like the last guy walking out of the room, and he's like, "Hey, come over here." And he like opens up the other side drawer, and it's literally full to the top of like fireballs and like all the candy had confiscated from all the students. <laughs> and he's just like. Here you go. Just take as much as you can. <laughs> and I just like, I just like shoveled the whole thing into my bag and went home for the summer and just proceeded to break all my teeth and nice. get a bunch of cavities. Yeah, it was just, it was just such a crazy sight just to open up the drawer. You know, like, I was kind of scared about that story about what you find those drawers <laughs> yeah. at first, but I'm, was I'm happy. All to, candy, just yeah, like it was all candy, all the compensated candy, candy, all the way down. And you want some? Candy? It was all the way Said down. Said the physics teacher. <laughs> Now, somebody said in the chat that they you could buy the the card on their store. I don't know if I I don't the LP. I, no, I think they're talking about you can only buy the Titan X or the 980Ti online anyway on from Nvidia directly. I guess I should say. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's a rumor going around. I don't really know what to think of it or if I care enough to continue looking at it, but. Uh, I guess the answer is I don't. Um, so let's get into our hardware software picks of the week. Um, this is interesting. I'm going to bring this up, even though I don't recommend you buy it at this location. Um, so we have here at the office, how many lights did we decide, Ken, that, that needed to be replaced? <laughs> uh, Five, 16. It was like 13? No. 13, 16, I think. 16. So we have 16 of those overhead fluorescent lights that That's each hold four tubes. Four bulbs each, yeah. Yeah. Um, and they're all old, you know, we haven't really replaced any since we've moved into this place. And, they get you know, progressively lower like, on the color temperature. <laughs> yeah, as they age. <laughs> Just turn yellow. You know, like every fourth one is out now. I'm getting a suntan from these right. lights. Yeah. So I happened to go be going through the Costco uh, yesterday, the day before, and I saw these. Um, Fight, as I believe it's pronounced. Uh, Electric, who makes light bulbs and a bunch of other stuff, sells these LED versions of those four-foot T8 tubes um, that are actually just drop-in replacements. You don't have to remove any of the old hardware, cut out any wires. You just drop it in. Um, now, Amazon has these for $45.99 for two, <laughs> one pack, which is two. Costco had them for like $25. Uh-huh for the two packs. So obviously don't buy them through Amazon. Go find out where you can find them. You know, and then Ken and I have been looking on like Alibaba and trying to find like you can buy can... 30 packs for about 5 bucks a piece. Yeah, you can buy 30 packs for like $6 <laughs> a piece, but most of them they all require you to 
Um, remove just, the ballast. Remove the ballast. Which is which is ballast. probably a good idea, to, anyways, because you're you're going to save power consumption by removing the ballast. That's true, I guess. But and it's completely I don't like, unnecessary I just right don't now. Like cutting actually wires remove it. You just bypass it. Like you don't have to pull it out of the housing or anything. no, no. But they're cutting the wire, and yeah. then you have to disconnect it from the from the line. Because you're just connecting the bulb to like the main instead of to the ballast. Right, the you're high connecting voltage. the twelve volt. Or wait, the 120. 120. <laughs> Sorry. This is not a power supply. <laughs> uh, directly to it. Um, and some of those ones we found on Alibaba even have, they, like it said they were Cree LEDs. Yeah. And Which. Then, now they're mm. not, you just, you just you never know. No, they're probably made by Cree, like the actual But parts. they might be like the C parts or something. Sure. Right. So we, I bought two of these and I put them on the lights. And it's funny because we have the two LED ones. And you didn't have uh, to remove to the, the starter. Like you just, there is no starter on these ballots actually. There's not. It's electronic, right? There's not a little. I don't little know can the answer to that. That screws in. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, would, I don't it think... be, would it be a replaceable item? Yeah. Like, re- it'd have to be replaced type of thing? Eventually. Yeah, I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't see those when I looked at them. Yeah. Um, so they just run off the ballast voltage. We put on two of these new LED white ones and the, and the two old ones, and you like you look at this light, <laughs> it's and it's like, <laughs> there's like a 1,000K color temperature difference. There is. Just like side by side in light. It's actually pretty funny. Um, so I'm debating how I want, I want to replace all these with, with a mono, like, I want to have one color light bulb. Chinese man. We yeah, can't go wrong. I just I don't know. We know where these are being sourced from, anyways. Let's just go directly to the source. But they're not the same because these you don't have to replace the ballast and everything. And all the ones we found online so far hmm. require you to do that. But that's what I. Got. You know, I finally upgraded to LED lighting in my house. Ace had a uh, special four sixty watt bulbs for ten bucks a pack. Not bad. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, yeah, you know, good. I bought a couple of packs and screwed those things in. I was like. Hmm. Which ones were they? Not bad. Like were they um, Cree or something? Or yeah, I have no idea. Probably not Cree. Probably like a knockoff brand. Yeah. Yeah, probably. But it's still. I, I've kind of been doing that as I go. I yeah. can't bring myself to replace all of the bulbs because it would be like a three hundred and fifty dollar light bulb bill or something like that. Because I have a lot of the recessed lighting. Yeah, but two yeah. fifty cents a light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's sure. that's that's that's. But you got to be an A. I have a lot of the recessed lighting floodlights. Yeah, and those are a little bit more expensive. IKEA makes them. I think they're five bucks a piece. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You I've just been looking at Home Depot and stuff. Yeah, you gotta put the parts together. Um, no, no, it's just a screw in. No, like it's I, just we, the... it was a joke. Yeah. Um, but like, I actually ran into a problem with the floodlights, recessed lights, because the retention mechanism was like it wouldn't let the the thing I bought at Home Depot fit in. Yep. I actually had to buy like those ultra thin Philips ones, mm-hmm. right? And those are fine, but they were like seven dollars a piece or something like that instead. Yeah. But I, t- I have like a couple of I have three of like the fifteen dollar GE ones because they have Zigbee radios in them. Ah, right. So it's like mm, it's, that's, and, and that's it's a like, big bill when you look through yeah. your whole house and it's like okay, like the the little chandelier in the dining room has six bulbs in it, and they're the small like candelabra ones. Those aren't necessarily really cheap. Those are still five bucks a piece. Yeah, yeah like everything is the same price. I'm like, wow, I got like I got several hundred dollars worth of light bulbs. I'm just gonna do this as they blow out, right? And and go yeah. down that round. So Yeah, because yeah you know, twenty it's a nice thing. Yeah, exactly. Lifespan. Hmm. Yeah. Uh <laughs> Jeremy. <coughs> what do you got? Uh the the one thing that all point of sales uh software has in common is that they're all POSs. And so people have been playing around with uh, barcode hacks for quite a while now. This recent one is just downright friggin' disturbing. All you need is four custom-printed barcodes, 
which essentially then send Windows key R, command.exe, fires up an FTP program to download and install an exe. You now own the Windows system sitting behind that barcode scanner. Now, a cashier is probably going to cash you, but think of how many bloody self-serve kiosks are sticking around, up to and including lotto machines, where you're just scanning a barcode, scanning a barcode, and no one's paying attention to what you're doing. And now the next thing you know, you own that lotto machine, and it just sort of delays announcing the winners until you go and pick it up. Right. So, I mean... I, I don't know if any of you guys watching work in retail or anything, but if you can, please turn debug and config mode off on your POS because that's why this works. And if you turn those off, you're perfectly safe. If you don't, expect some really interesting things to happen because this is simply scanning for barcodes. I think I'm going to add that barcode to my key ring on my iPhone. <laughs> and I still want to know if it'll work for that, too. Got your, uh, got your Kroger card? Yeah, sure. Uh, yep. Doop. Here, try this oh, one. it didn't scan the first time. <laughs> Do that to Qdoba. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, if, you, if you're like me and you don't like self-checkout, so you just got a retailer that you I own your computer system. I too. want unlimited lifetime burritos yeah. immediately. Awesome. Yeah. All right, interesting. Um, Jeremy. Or, no, sorry, we already talked no. to you, Josh. How about me. you, Josh? <clears throat> I don't have them in here, but, uh, you know, these Monoprice uh, $10 earbuds with the microphone are pretty dang good. I, I mean, it's nice nine ninety nine. What? Aren't they $9.99? They are. They're $9.99. <clears throat> it's got the uh, ribbon cables. They sound okay. It's got the inline mic. They work nice. And, uh, you know, I have com- no complaints. A friend of mine was really curious about them and some of the other ones, and he ordered up, like, three different pairs from Monoprice. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, these are, are nice. I, I mean, they're... shoved in my ear hole right now. Exactly. I mean, ten bucks. Ten dollars. They're essentially disposable at that point. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. We, we, sh- we should buy a couple of sets of these and keep them around for, like, when we have guests on the podcast and stuff. I'm just going to give them ones full of earwax. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just I order them. You these ones down. You just order and fold that, like from the factory. Yeah. Oh man. What is what is reflective sound technology? I don't know. Stuff don't bounces know. around inside there. Listen, they'd put some marketing material on the page. Yeah. Okay. Convince versus conventional earphone. It's down in the frequency response comparison graph. I see right here. Well, I know this that, one. but yeah. see okay. how reflective it is. It goes uh, up. Yeah. It goes up higher. Sure. Mm, it's shiny. not quite electrostatic. But it is Boom. reflective. Mm. Boom. All right, Alan, what's your pick? Uh, my pick mm-hmm. is, uh, so I was looking for, like, you know that Samsung T1 came with that really thin little, like, flat ribbon yeah. style connector, yep. right, which is kind of cool. I do, I do. Uh, I was looking for one for USB Type-C, uh, and I found it, and it's like 10 bucks for three. It's weird, the kind of deals that they're running on this Amazon page. If you want two, it's like eight bucks. If you want three, it's like nine bucks. Mm-hmm. These also. If you want six, it's like fourteen. Mm-hmm. And they're all like different I'm colors and crap. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting. Are these the um, ones that set fire to com- your computer? I hope not, because uh, I ordered some, and I'll, <laughs> I'll find out. Um, you know, no way to know if it's set fire to your computer until you plug it in. How big is it? It's this big, apparently. Uh, That's a horrible measurement. Eleven. Pretty, no, there's another picture. Ten. There's picture somebody like doesn't know how to use in. a ruler. 
You don't start it at ten, or this Is looks it? like it started at a ten and a half. <laughs> it really does. It went from ten and a half to twenty and a half. What, what oh. the yep. hell? Yeah. So they got Peter North in there, <laughs> showing how long it is. Hmm. Towards the bottom, there's a picture of just like an iPhone or not an iPhone, a something. That's uh, that's the uh, the uh, uh, OnePlus Two. Yeah. yeah. What Type C connector? Yeah. All right, there you go. You know, looks cool if you're in the need of uh, that sort of a thing. I there's not, probably not a whole lot of people in the need for Type C connector yet. No, but if but, you but if you need just to like plug it into a power bank, like, like we were got, looking earlier for yeah. like Type C to Type C, and it was harder to find than you would have thought, huh? Yeah, you you want to be really careful yeah. with that. Some of them are only rated. Well, for... the Google researcher that was doing all of this testing, well, yeah. yeah, his Chromebook just blew up, uh, and he's not testing until he can get a new one. Yeah, but we're not using these as charging cables for laptops like that. We're right. using That's the true. Connect, regular USB devices, SSDs, yeah. and such. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the whole Type C cable <laughs> thing is kind of a mess right now. Yeah, it really is. All right, everybody, that's going to be it for the show this week. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, PCPro.com slash podcast. Find all the back episodes uh, or find the ways to subscribe to this one. Don't forget we have our new video subscription and video RSS feeds that you can uh, subscribe to. Uh, shout out to uh, Christopher M. and Douglas B. who pledged to our Patreon during the podcast. Sweet. At patreon.com slash PCPer. And uh, to Michael M. who upped their pledge from $5 to $5.55. Sweet. Five fifty-five, five five five. So no, fives is doesn't, a good. Doesn't work. It's my favorite kind of timer. Doesn't work. Well, well, that's true. <laughs> it's a lovely timer. Uh, so thank you to those guys. If you want to support us and contribute, we would be uh, eternally grateful. Maybe not eternally. Like grateful for at really least for a couple time. of months. Like for a really long time, but maybe not. eternity is a long time. That's it's true. You patreon.com slash pcper. We really appreciate that, guys. Help us hit that next milestone if you can. And like I said, um, uh, so sign up for the mailing list. We'll have some cool stuff to do in the next week or two. I'll be at Mobile World Congress next week. I don't know what I'm going to see or what I'm going to do. I've never been to the show. I may get totally lost in the city of Barcelona and just, like, eat food at random places until it's time to go home. I don't really know. <laughs> You wrap, see you wrap, bulls uh, run the other way. If I see bulls run the other way, yeah, do some some rubber brands around your wallet and put it in your front pocket. So it's not it's not so bulls aren't like bears. You don't run up to them like with your arms up in the air, go ah rah 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 rah. rah. No, no, you no. don't do that. Okay. How well does that work with bears? Uh, pretty good. I heard. How's your life insurance and who's it made yeah. out to? <laughs> I mean, it's you signed those papers it gave you, right? <laughs> yeah, I didn't even look at them. It's fine. Great. Yeah, yeah, it's great. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. Uh, I'm Ryan Trout. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. And I'm Alan Malentano. Bye.